we want to spend a little time talking uh, about some of the truths in Psalm 103. And uh, Psalm 103, uh, some of you have uh, mentioned in the surveys we did, is one of your favorites. And it probably in some way or another, if it's not the favorite, is one of the songs of praise, the hymns of praise, the psalms, that is a favorite for almost all of God's people. And so I'd like us to spend a little bit of time looking at that together. Uh, my grandchildren, and so speaking of uh, Joey and Cody uh, here today, I mean, they've seen in our kitchen a wall picture that uh, Kathy has there, and it just makes a simple statement. It says, we are so blessed. And I appreciate that daily reminder. And for all of us as God's people, there is nothing more appropriate, more humbling, more um, meditative than for us to recognize we are so blessed. It really has nothing to do with your physical circumstances, though by and large in this country we can count our many blessings and name them one by one and often recount some of the temporal benefits that we have received. But if I am one of God's children and I might be living in a third world country, or if I'm an individual going through extreme difficulties, or I'm going through persecution, or if I'm going through some physical illness or problem, the reality is for every one of us as God's people, we are so blessed. And far too often, we don't take the time just to be still and remember that reality. Psalm 103 is a song or a psalm of praise. It is a song written by David. David, the one who is known as a man after God's own heart. David, who very clearly was an individual who was a child of God, not because of works of righteousness that he performed or merit that he had before God, but because of God's marvelous, amazing grace. He was an individual that knew what a blessing it was to be one to whom the Lord would not impute iniquity. And if we don't go any further than recognizing something of our situation in this world, it is the fact that if I am a child of God, the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me from all unrighteousness. And there is right now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. David was such an individual who could praise God because he was a man to whom the Lord would not account to him iniquity. Even though there was wrongdoing on David's part, that judgment was received by another, so David would never receive it upon himself. And if you are here today, and your faith and your confidence is in Jesus Christ the Lord, 
If you are an individual that has been given new life by Jesus Christ, if you are an individual that has been washed by His blood, you are greatly blessed. And this song, this psalm, is one that is not just a song or a psalm of David, but this song, this psalm, is appropriate for all of God's people. Now, other than just David acknowledging that he is the author of the song, in that opening verse, which in our Bibles is a superscription, but I need to remember, is part of the original writing, it just indicates that David is the one that composed it. He never says any of the historical background or circumstances in which it happened. And I can appreciate why. Because this is a song that is relevant, is appropriate in any circumstance of life for any one of God's people. And whatever is your situation today, this song is appropriate for you today. And whatever may be your circumstance tomorrow, it is appropriate for you tomorrow as well. Now in some of David's songs, he said, for example, uh, I was young and now I am old, but I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. And so we know that that song was written by David later in life. It appears to be true of this song as well, as though we don't have something within the psalm that indicates that it was written later. So just based on tradition, extra-biblical tradition, it appears to be a song that David composed later in his life as he reflected upon uh, God's working and God's provision for him. It is, as I have mentioned, a song of praise, a song of thanksgiving to the Lord, and two things that David mentions repeatedly with this in this song that is a basis for us to be grateful to and to offer praise to God. The uniqueness of His person. Do you understand that the one true God, the God that has been pleased to reveal Himself to us in His Word and in a more dramatic fashion in the God-man Jesus Christ, is a unique being, there is no one or nothing like Him. So when David begins, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. What is the word holy? The basic meaning is something that is unique. Something that is set apart. What is meant by the term name? It is the essence of the person. It represents all that He is. The God that we worship. The God that has been pleased to humble Himself and make Himself known to us is a unique being. There is no one like Him in all the universe. And that is the one that we have the privilege of knowing and of worshiping. And so David will acknowledge aspects of God's being that show His distinctiveness and therefore His worthiness of honor and worship from us. The second has to do with the way God deals with us, the way He works, be it in all of His creation, but you notice in particular it says in this psalm that God does things special for His people. Isn't that marvelous? 
Notice it says in verse 11, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness. And I don't know what your version may have. Some English versions have covenant faithfulness. Some have loyal love. Some just have the word mercy. The Hebrew word is hesed. And you will find that used repeatedly by David in this song. It is this covenant loyalty, this faithfulness of God to his promises. And that great faithfulness, that covenant loyal love, that hesed of God is to whom? What does he say? To those who fear him. Or in the same way. Notice it says over in verse 11, the loving kindness, there it is again, the hesed of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. God deals with his children differently than he deals with the rest of the people of the earth. And that is a great blessing. Each morning I get up, I go to get my coffee, and guess what stares me in the face on the wall? We are so blessed. And as God's people, it is good for us to remember each and every day that this day is an unfolding of the faithful compassion of God for his people. And regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what you may be going through, if you are a child of God, God is uniquely working on your behalf to fulfill the promises that he has made to his people and he will complete and fulfill everything that he has promised. We are so blessed. So this is a song that we can identify with. As we look at this song of praise, as it is reflecting upon the multitude of benefits that God gives to his people, it basically is a, stall, a song that is made up of five stanzas or verses. And so you could break it down and say, well, the first stanza or verse, just like in our hymnals, we have different verses to the songs we sing. This had different verses. The first verse is verses one through five. The second stanza or verse is 6 through 10. The third stanza or verse is verses 11 through 14. The fourth stanza or verse is verses 15 through 18. And the fifth and final stanza or verse of this song is verses 18 through 22. Now to break it down um, in more of a teaching format, Basically, what you have is in the first stanza or verse a statement where David is saying there is the importance for me as an individual and those who can identify with me as God's people to recognize the Hesed of the Lord. So, the first verse. Verses 1 through 5 in our Bibles is David's recognition of the covenant faithfulness, the loving kindness of, and notice all capital letters. He's not just talking about Elohim or God. 
He is not just talking about this one great God as the master or the ruler in his own personal life and ruler overall, but this is the personal covenant-keeping God. And David repeatedly in this song uses the personal name of God. So his statement would be, Bless Yahweh, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless Yahweh, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. And once David makes a recognition of this covenant faithfulness of God and just how wonderful it is for God's people in the next three verses or stanzas, he recounts, he enumerates the hesed, the covenant faithfulness of the Lord to his people. That's basically verses 6 through 18. And then in verse 19 to the end of the psalm, he talks about the appropriate response to Yahweh and to his covenant faithfulness to his people. And we could summarize it by saying what response you should give to the Lord for all of his benefits to you is one of worship and praise, one of thanksgiving and gratitude. Because you need to understand God is not dealing with you according to your sin. But as far as the heavens are above the earth, as far as the east is from the west, so far He has removed your transgressions from you. And each and every day ought to begin with 10,000 reasons to bless the Lord. Because you, as a child of God, for me, as a child of God, For us corporately, as the people of God, we are so blessed. You'll know the uh, Hebrew word that is translated blessed in our uh, Bibles in this psalm. There's more than one word translated into English as the term blessed. But this is a word in Hebrew that is really the foundation for the first name of our present president. Barach. And Barach means to bow down, to prostrate oneself. It's a term which means you are acknowledging the greatness of the individual that you are prostrating yourself before. And what he is saying is, you and I, as the recipients of God's covenant loyal love, of his hesed, of his unfailing mercies are ones who ought to bow down before him to give him the honor that he deserves, to greet him with songs of thanksgiving and praise because of the greatness of his person and the multitude of the blessings that he bestows. And so when you and I begin to think about worship and when you and I think about offering praise, there is the first recognition that if we are going to be offering praise to God, it begins with oneself. We have uh, things that we utilize to try to stimulate, to enhance, 
even at times to motivate and evoke praise from God's people. But I hope you are not a person that is dependent upon something being utilized to stir you up to worship. Where you need to begin is to talk to yourself. You should come with an earnest desire to have a heart prostrated, knelt down before God, and wanting to recognize the unique glory and splendor of His person, and to acknowledge to Him just how indebted you are for the multitude of blessings and provisions and benefits that He pours out on you each day. In other words, praise begins with one's person. And it is something that is generated within oneself, and it is not to be something that is evoked by or uh, motivated by the atmosphere that is created. I can find a substitution for genuine praise and blessing of God when I am stimulated by the environment. But that's not what is delighting the heart of God. What delights the heart of God is the individual who comes ready to bless. I think of the statement that is made in Psalm 45, where there the psalmist says, My tongue is like that of the pen of already a skillful writer. In other words, I know what I want to say, and my thoughts are running so fast, my hand can't even keep up with all that I want to express. I'm not sitting there wondering, well, what is it I want to say? It is that it bubbles up within me and it's flowing out of me. I must express it. The second thing of note for us to understand and appreciate when it comes to blessing God, of prostrating before Him, of acknowledging His uniqueness and ascribing the honor and glory He deserves both for who He is and how He deals uh, for us, is it has to be coming from within, doesn't it? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. This is not just to be giving lip service, but something that is flowing out of the depth of one's being. It's definitely associated with the reality of what Christ said is the greatest of all commandments. Remember what that was? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart, with all your mind, with all your might, with all your soul. In other words, with the totality of your being. And when it comes to expressing worship and praise to God, I trust that we are not gathering together and are guilty of what Christ and uh, expressing the truth of the one true God had to say concerning the nation of Israel. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And genuine worship, genuine praise, genuine prostration of oneself before God is a recognition that from the depth of my being, there is a genuine awe, a genuine reverence, and a genuine gratitude to God 
for both who he is and how he deals with me in Christ. What is it that we run into as a problem? Forget none of his benefits. That's why one of the Puritans says, oh, one of the great sins of God's people, the absence of praise. What do you have that you haven't received? And how easy it is to start to focus on a problem or a circumstance or things that maybe aren't going the way we thought they should go, and we tend to forget what? Oh, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To everybody? Oh, no, 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 no. To those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. Forget none of his benefits. Take time to reflect on the fact that our God is so good. He is so blessed. He is so enriched. He has so benefited us in Jesus Christ. Then he begins to enumerate some of the things that we need to remember. What's number one? Verse three. He pardons what? All your iniquities. Jesus didn't take care of 90% of your problem. And God is now leaving the other 10% up to you. Jesus paid it all. It's all to him I owe. Even though sin had left that red stain, that crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. He pardons all your iniquities. There is no fluctuation in how God deals with me as one of his children. I am kept in the everlasting, unchanging love of God. And He doesn't deal with me as my sin deserves. But He has poured out the judgment I deserve on His Son. That there is therefore now no condemnation. He He pardons all your iniquities. He he heals all your diseases. Be it our need for our well-being. Be it the recognition that we go through a physical affliction. There's only one great physician. And God's the one that takes care of that restoration. It is our Lord. He says He um, redeems your life from the pit. And not only delivering you from the consequences of your sin and the judgment that's associated with it, but he crowns you with chesed and compassion. To what end? So that your youth is renewed like an eagle. And you understand the picture. Eagles' feathers from all of that rapid flying become frayed and worn out. So guess what God in all of his wonder did? He made sure that the eagle every year had a molting. He's got brand new feathers. And so it's renewed year after year after year. doesn't have to fly on the old worn out feathers anymore. And so for God's people, there's a renewal that is constantly taking place so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. 
He satisfies your years with good things and the blessings that he provides for his people. Forget none of his benefits. To take time and reflect upon the bounty and the goodness of what God has done for us. In verses 6 through 18, he specifically looks at the unique way in which God has dealt with the nation of Israel, making them his covenant people, and keeping and preserving them forever. And you and I need to realize that today, if I am a child of God and a member of the spiritual body of Christ, if I have been given new life, God is keeping me in a covenant relationship with Him known as that new covenant. And in that new covenant, the two provisions, the first, justification, where God is not holding our offenses against us, the forgiveness of sin. And the second is transformation. I'll take out of you that heart of stone and I put within you a heart of flesh. He makes us new creatures in Christ. And God continues to shower us in his benefit. And so when you feel weary, you feel overcome, remember what Paul said in Romans 8, you know, if God is for us, who could be against us? If he didn't spare his own son for us, if he didn't hold back that which was most precious to him, what makes you ever think that he's going to keep back some good thing from you with what you need today? He's already made the greatest sacrifice. The rest is just the icing on the cake as he conforms you to Jesus Christ. So what should be our response? Well, worship, praise, needs to go beyond person. needs to go beyond self. It needs to be that I want to express my joy and my worship and my acknowledgement of the unique greatness of God with all of God's creation and particularly with God's people. So the response is, since the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all, bless Yahweh, you as angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless Yahweh, all you his hosts, you who serve him doing his will. Bless Yahweh, all you works of his and all places of his dominion. But beyond the corporate gathering of all creation, acknowledging the unique greatness of God and the multitude of blessings that God pours out on his people, David says it comes right back to me, doesn't it? Bless the Lord, O my soul. Let's pray.